Nearly 100 soldiers are killed in a flare-up in fighting between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Russia is urging both sides to respect the truce agreed two years ago. But can Moscow and other regional powers prevent another war? I'm Imran Khan, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests in Baku, Negar Apadurai, a member of the Azerbaijani parliament, in Yerevan, Vladimir Vardanyan, a member of the Armenian parliament, and in Berlin, Daria Isachenko, who's a researcher at the Center for Applied Turkey Studies, which is part of the German Institute for International and Security Affairs. Welcome to the program. Let's begin in Baku first uh, with Negar. Negar, the Armenians are accusing you of escalating tensions. Why are you doing that? Uh, well, thank you very much for having me here today. But first of all, uh, Armenians are not saying the truth. Azerbaijan has chosen a path of peace. Uh, Azerbaijan is not interested in increasing military tensions uh, at a time when large-scale construction works are being uh, done uh, in Azerbaijan after, liberate, after liberating of its territories. Now, uh, let me put it this way. You know, there was a, there's a very clear path to peace between Azerbaijan and Armenia. It may sound paradoxical, but chance for peace uh, was created after 2020 war, when the trilateral statement was signed. Prior to, prior to that, uh, there was a major factor which played against uh, sustainable peace. It was a fact of occupation of Azerbaijani lands by Armenia. As you know, Armenian army was holding a large part of Azerbaijani territory under its occupation for 30 years. They expelled Azerbaijanis from there. They've destroyed uh, everything, livelihoods there, uh, let's say, all physical infrastructure, cultural infrastructure. But as long as, uh, as long as this occupation uh, sustained, um, obviously peace was not possible. But the war removed uh, this factor. Uh, Armenians were pushed back to their um, borders. But it has already been two years, and peace didn't come. You may ask me why it didn't come. Trilateral statement ended hostilities. Armenia well, and Azerbaijan I'm just going to disturb you there, Armenia, because Armenia I'm just going to disturb you there. For one second, let's no, no, put no, your... I, I, I don't want to ask you why peace didn't come. Let's ask um, Vladimir Vardanyan in Yerevan. Uh, obviously, you've told us why. Uh, Baku has accused you of lying, Armenia of lying, and saying that you've broken the deal. Have you? Uh, it's very pity that Madame Arpadara started her speech with the saying that somebody telling not the truth. It's not the first time we are discussing the issue with Madame Arpadara because we are the members of the parliamentary assembly of the Council of Europe. And unfortunately, I'm listening to the same old story. Let's start from the very beginning. I would like just to say that we are not speaking about good or bad. We are speaking about respect towards our international obligations. And I would like to state very officially that Armenia are under Armenia is under attack and we are considering this attack as an international aggression, which is prohibited under uh, Article 2.4 of the UN Charter. That would like just to say that we shouldn't somehow uh, confuse our uh, the, the, the people who will uh, the, the watch this program, because we are not speaking about Nagorno-Karabakh now. We are speaking about sovereign territory of Armenia, all eastern part, eastern border of the Republic of Armenia is under attack. And Azerbaijani armed forces proliferated in the territory, in the depth of the territory of the Republic of Armenia. And uh, look just to the wordings we are listening. Armenians were pushed back. Armenians liars. Armenians provoked. This is the very similar to the situation which 
Nazi Germany used during the Second World War, saying that Polish troops are somehow create a situation of uh, uh, provocation against the uh, Nazi soldiers. Vladimir, this that's a very, a very strong and, and statement. And we, and I mean, Vladimir, 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 just, just one this. second. I, that's I'm a very sorry. strong and statement. We will we'll get to you shortly. Sorry, I would like to okay. end. Okay. Uh, Vladimir, finish your, finish, finish your thought. Image, this of Azerbaijan, and you should listen me. Please, sorry, finish you your thought. Listen. Finish your thought. Uh, what's your response to that, Negar? Well, my response to that is that, uh, you know, you have to look, we can say many things, but you and the people that will be watching has to look to the facts. Armenia is not a victim, it's the occupier. It has a long record of aggression and occupying. Azerbaijan has never but occupied any land or any troops, territory. And also, right now, right now, we have Armenian, Armenian soldiers, Armenian illegal armed groups are still on the territory of Azerbaijan. What are they doing there? Prime Minister Pashinyan has signed a trilateral statement which clearly said that Armenian illegal armed troops should be removed from the territory of Azerbaijan. We've been waiting for two years. What are they doing? Doing right now on the territory of Azerbaijan. Is it acceptable for any country, not the only local, Azerbaijan, any country in the world, that, that foreign soldiers should be on the territory of Azerbaijan? Again, uh, again, I just want. Ladies, gentlemen, oh, let's no let's bring in this. let's bring in. This is this isn't helpful if we're all shouting over you each know, other. But I would like to bring in Daria Isachenko here, who is a researcher at the Center for Applied Turkey Studies. Uh, now, Daria. There was a ceasefire agreed, a ceasefire agreed two years ago. The Minsk group has been trying to formulate a peace plan for Nagorno-Karabakh for decades now. All of that has failed. This latest ceasefire agreement has also failed. Where is the international community in all of this? Has it got any more cards left to play, given what you've just heard? Hmm. Well, I see two key issues that uh, are still there since the war in uh, the fall uh, 2020. And this issue is the uh, unresolved status of Karabakh. And the second issue is uh, the blocking of transportation links in the region. And what we've seen uh, uh, last two years, the, uh, these have these two issues have been stamping blocks uh, in the conflict. And uh, to make it even perhaps more complicated, we also see that the position of other uh, actors involved, like Russia and Turkey, has been also di uh, uh, different on these issues. I think it was the hope of Turkey and Russia that by deblocking transportation links, uh, there can be um, some, uh, it can be a step. Uh, uh, further, but uh, even this uh, did not work. I also see there is a um, uh, difference in how to approach uh, the conflict from uh, other parties. For example, I think uh, from the Russian perspective, it has been kind of a step uh, by step. There is the issue of delimitation and demarcation of uh, borders addressed, and again, transportation uh, links. Um, and uh, the peace agreement would come actually last. Now, uh, for, for Turkey, it's very much the same position like uh, uh, Azerbaijan. But I think what we've seen from the European Union is actually we, are, do not, we do not speak. Can sorry, you hear Vladimir. Me? We do Vladimir. not speak about. Sorry, but I should say this: we are not speaking about Nagorno-Karabakh and this status. We do not need to mislead. 
the people who will watch us. We are speaking about proliferation of Azerbaijani troops in the territory, in the very depth of the territory of the Republic of Armenia. Okay, there are a lot of countries whose borders are not delimited or demarked, but it doesn't matter. There are some internationally recognized borders and Azerbaijan recognized these borders in different documents, in universal, okay, let in me, regional, let in me bilateral. Way. Can but, I add? Uh, please, please, please do not mislead the people who will watch us. And I would like to request our colleagues from Al Jazeera to put the map with the armed attacks to show to the people that we are not discussing now Nagorno-Karabakh. We are discussing now sovereign territory of the Republic of Armenia. What's your response? It's the sovereign territory of Armenia, Negar. Yeah, I have a, a really good response, which is very obvious now. The peace should be built on mutual guarantees, right? We are speaking about peace. We are saying that we are ready for peace. And first of these guarantees is very simple. When Armenia recognizes territorial integrity of Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan recognizes territorial integrity of Armenia without any tricky disclaimers, you know, just straightforward, simple statement saying that as Armenia recognizes territorial integrity, internationally recognized borders of Azerbaijan, are they ready to do that? No, we've been speaking for two years about peace deal, but as Armenia is well, always losing listening? that. You know Miguel, why? You know I'm why? Sure Can I finish? Can the, I finish? I, Can I finish? I'm trying to finish my thought. Please, right. can you please mute someone when, when they're saying. So the statement should be very simple. We recognize each other's me. internationally Sorry. recognized territories. We do not support separatists. We do not have territorial claims towards each other. We are ready to do that as Azerbaijan. We've said it many times. Armenia is not ready to do that. They have always disclaimers. If you ask him, he will have, you know, very long explanation why this cannot be done. So let's have mutual guarantees. We are ready to do that. And you know why it's not... Well, let's, uh, it's Negar, not, let's, actually, not let's actually talk I about that, Negar. Let's, let's actually talk about that. Let's actually talk about these mutual guarantees. Gentlemen, ladies, I will come to you. If you just give me a chance, I'll Ask, ask this question to Daria Ishishenko. Daria, you were talking there, uh, our guest in Baku was talking there about uh, mutual guarantees of assurance, mutual uh, common ground effectively. Is there any common ground that Russia, the Americans uh, and Turkey can bring to the table that will result in a peace treaty? Well, my assumption was that uh, these transportation links in the region uh, present some kind of common ground. I think the, but it, uh, nevertheless, it has also been a contested issue uh, because of how the, uh, how the sides see this uh, differently. Uh, but I think starting uh, from this, there can be indeed a common ground because it's uh, in the interest not only of the parties, because I think the question is only how to do it. But when you look at other actors, there is a mutual interest in uh, having uh, economically uh, developed, uh, to, to economically develop the region. But uh, when we talk about the regional players, Daria, we're talking about, you know, Russia, we're talking about America. When those two countries get round the table, it simply doesn't become about Armenia or Azerbaijan anymore. The Ukraine is there, the sanctions are there. There are many other issues that they need to concentrate on. Nagorno-Karabakh, the issue of Armenia and Azerbaijan, simply isn't that high on their list, is it? 
This is uh, indeed uh, so. I don't know if it's a problem or not, but we've seen. The, I would still say that this is about Armenia and Azerbaijan, and then, then it becomes complicated because uh, for some other players, these conflicts uh, also play a role. But uh, it's not by uh, chance that Russia did indeed emerge within this Minsk group as a leading player because this conflict matters to Russia much more than it does to the United States, to France, or even to the European Union. Uh, Vladimir, your president uh, has spoken to Vladimir Putin. Uh, Vladimir Putin is going to speak to um, Erdogan uh, in Samarkand. What would you expect them to be, to be talking about at those meetings? You know, it is possible to talk about each and every issue which is under international law. What we are listening now, we are listening from our colleague Niyar, that uh, since there is no final peace accord, we are allowed to do what we allowed, what we would like to do. No, it's not, it's not the truth. Reality is the following. We should respect the principles of international law and nobody after the creation of UN Charter is not allowed to use force or use the trade of force to solve the political issue or the or somehow uh, undermine the international recognized borders or territorial sovereignty of other states. What we are listening, we are saying that uh, since we have no final peace accords, we are considering ourselves... Vladimir, that's not actually the question I asked you. The question I asked you was what do you expect uh, Vladimir Putin and Erdogan to be talking about at... Uh, this meeting that they're going to have in Samarkand. And I'm going to make it even blunter. I'll make the question even blunter. Do you think Russia is representing your interests? We do believe that each and every civilized state should represent the interest of the country, which is under attack. Under attack, which is considered as an aggression under international law, which is considered as a crime, not only by customer international law, but also by the Rome Statute of International Criminal Court, as well as it is a crime under the Azerbaijani Criminal Court. Negar, uh, what would you expect Erdogan to say to Vladimir Putin? Do you think he's representing your case? Well, it's first of all, it's very funny seeing, you know, a country which has occupied another country, aggression, has created aggression, expelled its territory, expelled its uh, uh, ethnically Azerbaijanis from its territory, speaking about aggression occupied and uh, international law, etc. Regarding, uh, regarding the, um, the talks and the um, uh, mediators and other actors, I believe that Armenia and Azerbaijan should have bilateral negotiations. We've been calling that for many times. And just few, uh, some time ago, a few months ago, our, um, our uh, leaders have met in Brussels several times and we've been speaking about peace deal. But the statements was one thing. Armenian uh, prime minister was coming back and saying completely different things, you know. In Brussels, when um, president of the uh, EU Council uh, was chairing the sessions, they were discussing in one area. Then he was coming back saying different things. So what I'm trying to say is that bilateral negotiations should be the key. Of course, we are open for any mediator. We are open. We work closely with all the countries. We are, um, we are positive about that. But still, we suggest peace deal. We say that we have put our terms on the table, which are nothing besides Side international law, and Armenia is avoiding that. Why are you avoiding that? Why do, not, why do you not want to sign peace deal with us? Why are you not uh, recognizing our territorial well, let's integrity? Start, let's start at the you beginning, know? Vladimir. Why, Vladimir, why aren't you yeah, doing yes, yes, bilateral yes, talks? I have an answer. 
Dear Nigar, I'm ready to very come to negotiation answer. with you. Very long answer with long explanation why... Nigar, please, allow, please allow our guest in Yerevan to finish, give me, please. Give me a second, I will give you an answer. Let's go to sit around the round table and to negotiate. But agree, it is impossible to negotiate if I come with a gun and you are with the documents. You are came with a gun, you are here with a gun, come. and you are speaking about peace. Uh, Daria, Daria in Berlin. Sorry, just one, one second, one second. Let's bring in Daria. Let's bring in Daria here. Just, uh, just in, uh, this idea of bilateral talks. Uh, both of the guests have mentioned it so far. We are very far away from bilateral talks, but can we get there with Russian, American, Turkish intervention? Uh, well. Um... I honestly don't know, but I do see Russia and Turkey playing a central role just for the mere fact that they are there on the ground. They do have a special relationship, uh, for example, Russia and Armenia, even, even though they have become uh, strained, uh, also not least due to the Russian stance in the war. In 2020, Turkey and Azerbaijan, they also have a special relationship. Uh, but um, so I think um, this matters. But ultimately, you cannot, irrespective of who plays mediator, uh, I think it's essential that uh, it's it's up to both parties to come to a consensus. And I think the key issue here is really security, because the security, as we also have seen in this discussion, this still is a, the major issue. So I think the uh, could be some kind of um, peacekeeping force, but I don't know how realistic, but I do see that the consensus uh, between the parties themselves, between Armenia and Azerbaijan and Karabakh are central here. As well. Uh, you're both members of parliament, both in Baku and in Yerevan. Vladimir, you've said that you're willing to have bilateral talks. Negara, you've said that you're willing to have bilateral talks. Why don't you put pressures on your governments to actually make that happen? Let's begin with Vladimir first. Why don't you put pressure on your government to make those bilateral talks happen? It's a little bit strange to listen to such a question. We are in a negotiations for more than two years. We have started the process after the November 9, and so we actually announced the era of peace, and we worked towards the establishment of normal, uh, friendly relations between our neighbors. And it's strange that negotiations are continued all this period, but uh, it's very complicated to negotiate when you are negotiating, and your counterpart said, okay, you do not agree, I wouldn't bring another proposal. I will bring another artillery, another drones. I will try to infiltrate in another part of your territory, but you should continue to negotiate. We are ready to negotiate. We were ready to negotiate. We would be ready to negotiate because negotiation is a part of international law. Negotiation is a part of civilized world. But what we have, is it possible to negotiate with a Beast would like to eat you. We are ready to sit and negotiate. We are here. And to start the negotiation, we should, first of all, stop all military activities. Otherwise, 
Sorry, Vladimir, we are, we are running out of time. We are running out of time. And I want to put your point to Negar uh, in Baku. Negotiations have been taking place, but there have been accusations by Armenia that they're at the point of a gun, that you are actually using violence uh, during these negotiations. Are you? Is this your well, tactic? Well, again, as I, said, uh, as I said, look at the facts. There are internationally recognized borders of Azerbaijan and Armenia, and there is a long record of Armenia of breaking and violating our territorial uh, integrity. So this is a fact. It's not something that, that he's saying or I am saying. And Mr. Vardanyan said that stop military activities. Uh, this is a very good point. So this is the reason why I am asking why Armenia didn't fully remove its illegal armed force from territories of Azerbaijan. We are also saying that Stop military activities. Remove your illegal forces from the territory of Azerbaijan. Let's have sit at the table and sign a peace deal. We want a region where cooperation will be, where prosperity Sorry, will Nego, be. Sorry, we, we are running out of time, plans. and I do want to have one final question with Adaria in uh, Berlin. Adaria, given everything that you've heard, this idea that there can be international uh, mediation uh, within this actual conflict itself, that it seems to be so far from actually happening. Is the international community a problem here? Surely something needs to change. They've been trying the same tactics now for a while. I, I do see that this um, uh, constellation uh, that we have now uh, in the international arena, it complicates it even more because now we have really this confrontation between Russia and uh, between Russia and the West. Uh, so, I mean, I would still say that the Minsk group has uh, been uh, not very uh, successful in this. Order. you have Russia, France, and US. So it's not only up to the international community to solve this, but it. Uh, but given the situation as it is now, it also becomes complicated because there you would have this kind of import of uh, issues, bilateral issues between, say, Russia and US or Russia-France or Russia-EU uh, reflect somewhat uh, having an impact also um, on the conflict in the South Caucasus. I want to thank all our guests, Negar Apadurai, in Yerevan, Vladimir Vardanian and Daria Isichenko. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. The episode was produced by Calvin N., Laura Burden-Manley, Abdurrahman Wersam, and Gemma Harris. The studio sound was provided by Dragan Vrankovic. The program was edited by Andre Oosthuizen, Lynn Engwin, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. And thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Thursday.